Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Hey everybody, good morning and welcome to Coastal Community Church. As Pastor Scott said, I am Pastor Chris and uh, great to have you with us. Uh, those of you who are here in person, as he said, great to see your smiling eyes today and uh, thank you for uh, taking time out of your day to uh, come to church and to be here with us in person. And for the vast majority of you that have tuned in online, uh, thank you so much for joining us. We would just encourage you today to engage with us online. Uh, leave a little comment, let somebody know that you're here. In in fact, Pastor Chris Jones and several people in our team, uh, our enge online engagement team, are there uh, ready to respond and to welcome you. Uh, thank you for, uh, for being with us today, uh, either in person or online. So, if you thought that last week was a little bit intense as we talked about resisting temptation, and really the intense part was submitting to authority and being faithful in suffering. If you thought that was intense at all, in the words made famous in the song by the Bachman-Turner Overdrive in 1974, baby, you ain't seen what? Nothing yet, that is right. Uh, so let's just jump right in with both feet. Uh, follow along with me as I read from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then, even if some, to refu even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husbands. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters when you do what is right without fear of what your husbands might do. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. Wow! Peter just boldly steps right in it, doesn't he? In fact, uh, I mean, last week, uh, chapter 2, verse 13, uh, it was submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. And then this week, he brings submission even closer to home as he starts talking about marriage, husbands and wives. You know what? Um, I was thinking this week, it's kind of interesting that this is the passage that we're at uh, in this series because this past week, I had three, three weddings that I performed. I had one last Saturday, Tuesday, and Friday. Uh, two of them were from couples from our church, and one was family of a family from our church. But trust me, 
none of, uh, none of those weddings, this is definitely not the classic passage that is read at most weddings, right? Wives, in the same way, submit to your husband's authority. And husbands, in the same way, you must give honor to your wives. That's typically not read at a lot of weddings. I mean, most of the time, we read from 1 Corinthians, what? 13, chapter 13, the what chapter of the Bible? The love chapter of the Bible, which is obviously great. I mean, it is, and I read that at most of the weddings I perform, but it really is a shame that we don't talk more about the relationship principles that are found here in this passage. Because the truth is this, listen to me, God's way works in every area of life, business, parenting, health, marriage, sexuality, finances, in every area of life, God's way works. And you and I don't get to pick and choose, you know, which passages of Scripture that we like and which ones that we think we're going to disregard because they're not popular in today's culture. Now, part of the obvious problem for us with this passage, though, and the passage that we talked about last week, and by the way, the parallel passage to this one in Ephesians chapter 5, where the Apostle Paul basically says the same thing. He says, and further... Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Now, the problem for us in 2020, of course, is with the word submit. The big S word, right? The word submission suffers from a huge, huge image problem today. You know, when you hear the word submit or submission, is your first feeling a positive one or a negative one? Honestly, it's negative, right? In fact, if you were to look up the word uh, in the dictionary or a thesaurus, submit, submission, you'll, you'll see words and phrases like these. Back down, bend to another person's will, comply, cower, crawl, cringe, give in. Not exactly positive phrases in the year 2020, right? In fact, um, It's one of those words where if we think the Bible in any place might be just a little bit out of date, we feel it might be when we hear that word and those passages. But again, we don't get to pick and choose, you know, which Bible uh, verses we believe and that we'll follow. You know, well, I just love all the passages in the Bible that talk about God's love and forgiveness but I went through the Bible and I tore out all the verses that talk about submission. We don't get to do that. In fact, in Proverbs 30, we're warned against that, in fact. Verses five and six say, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to all who come to him for protection. Do not add to his words, or he may rebuke you and expose you as a liar. In other words, we don't get to tamper with God's word. Here's why. The scriptures are God's written revelation of himself. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture, okay? Not some, not most, not just the ones that we like, not just the ones that are popular and make us feel comfortable. All scripture is inspired by God. So, let's jump in. 
God in his wisdom and kindness has laid out a structure for the family. He made us male and female, men and women, in order to complement one another, complete each other. And I've said this many, many times over the years. When it comes to our different roles and our different functions in marriage, the issue has absolutely nothing to do with value. You know, who's better or who's superior. The, the reality is, though, we don't quite get that because in our world today, you know, your function determines your value. But that's not true as a believer. Your position in Christ determines your value. And men and women are equal in God's sight. We're equal in value because we were created, both of us, in the image and likeness of God. In fact, uh, Peter in this passage reminds husbands of that very same thing in verse 7 where he said, she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. In other words, it's not about value. Got nothing to do with that. And you might be like, well, okay, Pastor Chris, if it's not about value or superiority or power, then what is it about? Write this down. Submission in the home begins with mutual submission to Jesus. Mutual submission to Jesus. That is exactly, by the way, what the Apostle Paul was saying in Ephesians 5 when he addresses both husbands and wives in verse 21 where it says, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In other words, that attitude right there, that should set the tone for every discussion about submission. Mutual submission to one another in the covenant of marriage out of a reverence for Jesus. You see, that is supposed to be the mindset for believers, for husbands and wives in marriage. In other words, there's absolutely no room, no room for either person to feel or act superior to the other. It reminds me of a passage of Scripture uh, that I do read in every wedding that I perform. It's Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 5. In fact, I'm convinced that if more married couples would not only believe this, but actually live this out in their marriage, with their spouse, that the majority of conflicts would just disappear into thin air. Listen to these words. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. And then listen to this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Wow. You see, that right there, that is a very practical picture of what Peter is talking about, of our mutual submission out of reverence for Christ. You see, submission is not a blank check from God for the husbands to become a chauvinist or a tyrant or a dictator. Nor does it mean that the husband you know, should make all the decisions in the marriage and that the, you know, the little woman should just be a passive dolly doormat, never offering an opinion, always giving agreement on all matters or issues that come up in the home. That's not what this is about. In fact, I love the quote from uh, Judge Jonah Goldstein. I think I've shared this before. He said this, My wife and I made a bargain many years ago that in order for us to live harmoniously, I would decide all the major decisions. 
and she would decide all the unimportant problems. And so far in our 35 years of marriage, we have never had any major problems or decisions. There. You see, ultimately, our submission, first and foremost, is to God. And as you submit to each other, as an expression of your devotion to the Lord, submission literally becomes submission. In other words, there is a mission for the Christian marriage. And that mission, should you choose to accept it, first and foremost, is obeying and glorify God. And so we approach our marriage with this attitude of, you know what, I'm going to put myself under that mission. That mission is more important than my own individual desires. I'm not putting myself below my spouse, under my spouse. I'm putting myself below the mission that God has for my marriage and for my life. So wives, your submission to your husband ultimately flows out of your reverence and your desire to love and follow and be obedient to Jesus. Just like the husband's responsibility to honor you and to love you just like Jesus loved the church ultimately flows out of his reverence and his desire to love and follow and be obedient to Jesus. Don't you see? We are both under and on that mission together for the honor and the glory of God. In fact, you know what I've observed you know, over you know, 35, 35 years, almost 35 years of being with my wife, Janet, 33 years of marriage, you know what I've observed? That when a husband humbly leads with Christ-like love and a wife humbly responds with Christ-like submission, the issue of who has the authority is rarely, if ever, discussed. It's, not, it's a non-issue. There's no need because both of them are submitting. Both are unselfishly serving the other, complimenting the other as a beautiful, beautiful team. You see, that's, what, that's how God's way works when we're both doing that for one another. Let me give you a very simple, very practical definition of the word submission. Whenever you see this word in the Bible, here it is. Having the courage to give up my rights to meet another person's needs. Having the courage to give up my rights to meet another person's needs. You see, really, what it all boils down to, and what I want us to talk about today with the time that remains, is being unselfish. That's what mutual submission ultimately is all about. It's about being unselfish. The, the, the ability to be unselfish in our relationships is one of the main ingredients to learning to live God's way, to do life God's way, to do marriage God's way. And Peter talks about two very basic things concerning unselfishness, why we should be unselfish, and then how we can be unselfish. So I want us to take a look at both of those today. First of all, why? You know, why should I be unselfish? Well, Peter gives uh, several powerful reasons for being unselfish. Number one, be unselfish because selfishness is the source of conflict. Ultimately, selfishness is the source of conflict. You know, if you go over to James chapter 4, listen to this. 
What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? Now stop right there just for a second. I want you to underline that phrase. If you're taking notes, the evil desires at war within you. Because basically Peter used the exact same phrase in 1 Peter 2.11 when he warned us to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. What's he talking about? He's talking about selfishness. He's talking about our selfish nature. In fact, go back to James 4. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you do ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. What's he talking about? Selfishness. Your selfish nature. And by and large, it is the primary source of all conflict in our marriage, in our homes, in, in the world. I mean, you take our, all of our arguments, our conflicts, and you boil them all down. At the root of any of them, you will find that someone, somewhere, somehow, is being selfish. So be unselfish because selfishness is the source of conflict. Number two, be unselfish because unselfishness is the secret to change. Unselfishness is the secret to change. Peter addresses wives here, and he tells them to submit to their authority. Then, even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly wives will speak to them without any words, and they'll be won over by observing your, your pure and reverent lives. Now, change is important in any relationship. I mean, it's, it's natural, it's healthy, you know, to want to see change and growth in our relationships. That's what, you know, relationship, healthy relationships are all about, right? And even if you've got a great relationship, you want it to develop and grow and change over time. And of course, if you are really struggling in a relationship, you know, absolutely, you are desperate for change to happen in that relationship. But how? How do you make change happen? How, how many of you have ever tried to push or argue somebody into change, right? How many of you have found that that does not work at all? What does work in helping people to change? Unselfishness. It's the most powerful tool that you have at your disposal to encourage people to grow and change and develop. And that's what Peter is saying here. He's basically saying, listen, no amount of browbeating, no amount of nagging, no amount of guilt trips or lecturing will ever affect real and lasting change. In a marriage, in a relationship, it will be the unselfish, loving, serving, giving attitude of a godly woman. Think about it. Jesus was the most unselfish person who ever walked the planet. He gave his life unselfishly for others. And look how many people he changed. Look how many lives he changed. You know, in your own life, let me ask you, 
Who's had the most impact on you when it comes to your own personal change? Selfish people? People who always demanded their own way? People who always looked out for themselves and thought about themselves first? People who never go the extra mile? Of course not. It's those people in your life who acted unselfishly towards you, who gave of themselves. Those are the people who helped you grow and change and develop, who had the most impact on you. Unselfishness is the secret to change. A third reason why we should be unselfish, Peter gives us here, is that your selfishness short-circuits prayer. Selfishness short-circuits prayer. Men, husbands, One of the most sobering wake-up call verses of Scripture found in the Bible for how we treat our wives is found right here at the end of 1 Peter 3, 7. He says, husbands, treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. Husbands, did you hear that? The Bible actually teaches that the way you treat your wife directly affects your relationship with God. It directly affects the answer to your prayers. Now think about it. Selfishness at its core says, I am depending on me. I'm the boss, applesauce, my way or the highway. I'm number one. I am depending on myself. That's what selfishness is all about, right? Well, prayer at its very core is saying, I'm depending on God. I'm leaning on Him. So obviously, selfishness then short-circuits the power of prayer in your life. It's a matter of who you're depending on. In fact, if you go back to that passage in James, he reminds us, he says, you don't have because you don't ask God. He's, He's basically saying, you're not praying. You've gotten so caught up in your own selfish needs and the pursuit of your own selfish desires that your spiritual life has been negated. There's no no need to even answer your prayers because you're not praying. And then when you do, he says, your prayers are completely selfish. So selfishness short circuits our prayers. So be unselfish. It's the source of conflict, selfishness. It's the secret to change, unselfishness. And it short circuits your prayers. Now, let's talk about two simple ways that you can start being unselfish in your relationships, okay? The first way is through understanding. What I mean by that is considering others' needs, to consider others' needs. 1 Peter 3, 7. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding. Circle that word, underline that word, understanding as you live together. Now, the word understanding there doesn't just mean nice or kind. It literally means to live together according to knowledge. In other words, what he's talking about here is husbands, get to know the other person. Get to know your wife. Unselfishness always begins when you and I ask this question. What do they need? What are their needs and desires? What are their wants? How can I meet, best meet their needs? So how? How, how? how can you best do that? How do you start to care about the needs of other people? Well, you gotta be able to develop a very, very important skill. The skill of listening. The skill of listening. 
Listening doesn't come naturally or easy for anybody, does it? I mean, we naturally care more about what we're thinking than what they are saying, right? And if you're going to be a good listener, that's something you got to work at. You know, like, put aside all the distractions. Put down all the devices. Make eye contact. And let them tell it their way. You know, each person wants to tell things a certain way. Each person wants to tell their own story. On the other hand, a lot of times, especially for men, when we hear something, when we hear a story, we say, we think, what's the point, right? Where, where's this going, and how can I fix it, and what's the point? But they know that as soon as we hear the point, we will what? Stop listening to the story. we got to let each person tell it their way. That's the way God wired them. And that's the way that makes most sense to them. And by the way, that's also the way that if I'm working at it and I'm really listening, that I can best hear her feelings and what's important to her and what she needs most. Let them tell their way. By the way, if you're a parent, that's also important with your children. Work at it. Listening. Put down the distractions. Put down the devices. Make eye contact. You know, if, if you're a person that always finishes somebody else's sentences, you got a problem. <laughs> it's something you need to work on. Because hear this. Pretty soon, they won't want to talk to you at all. They won't want to talk to you at all. You know, a second way to learn to be unselfish is through uh, respect. And what I mean by that is honoring other people's value. Honoring other people's value. In fact, back to 1 Peter 3, 7. Peter's writing to husbands, and he says that we are to treat our wives with understanding. And then he says, she may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. In fact, the uh, New International Version translation says, treat them with respect as the weaker partner. Okay, ladies, before you organize a protest and rush the stage, I know what you're thinking. At least the version that I can say out loud. Um, Pastor Chris, you know, what in the world does calling me the weaker partner, have anything to do with honor or respect. It sounds like just the opposite. Well, we actually miss this in our English language, but in the original Greek language, it actually has everything to do with honor and respect and value. So I'm going to explain it to you this way. So I got, um, I got two cups up here with me this morning. Uh, the first one is a teacup, and it's actually a piece of, of fine china uh, that Janet and I picked out for our wedding china. How many of you, raise your hand or leave a comment, do you still have wedding china? Anybody? It's kind of a generational thing, right? Like my generation and older, you know, had wedding china. I mean, your, your grandparents and your family, your relatives all said, you got to go pick out wedding china. 
because we're going to get you a set of wedding china. So that's what we did, and we now use it like about once every five years. So anyway, um, but uh, so we did, this is actually a gift. This uh, teacup uh, was a gift from my grandmother, okay? So it was a part of a set, and it's actually, if you look at the bottom, it's, and I thought this was really cool when we went to go pick out our wedding china. Uh, it's actually a part of the Charleston Collection. Pretty cool, huh? Right? Yeah. So there you go. So I don't know what collection you have, but we have the Charleston Collection. Now, it is delicate, it is expensive, and it is valuable. And uh, if I dropped it, it would shatter into like a million pieces and I would be in big, big trouble. Okay. Wives, this is you. Okay? This is you. Now, this second cup is an orange plastic cup. It is not a part of any collection, okay? Well, I take that back. Actually, I did collect this one and about 12 others from people who left them behind with their trash at the end of a Clemson game. I'm that guy, okay, I did. I ran around and picked up, you know, about a dozen cups. I took them home, I washed them all, and now I drink out of them, right? They are, they are durable. They are cheap. They are replaceable. And if I were to drop it, it would bounce. I'll dust it off, and I'll keep drinking out of it. Husbands, this is you. Okay, this is you. Now, obviously, this piece of fine china, it is literally, yes, the weaker of the two cups. But it is also, obviously, the more what? the more valuable, the more precious, the more delicate, the more beautiful. That's what Peter is saying. Husbands, honor your wives and treat her as if she is the more valuable partner. You know, we use the word appreciate today to talk about things that, you know, raise, that something that goes up in value financially. You know, it's appreciating in value we got to learn to do that with people. Appreciate them. To raise their value in our eyes. Take the time to give them more honor than we do to ourselves. To recognize their needs are more important than, you, than yours. And to honor their value. And man, let me tell you something. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing when a, a, a husband is doing that for the wife and the wife is doing that for the husband. You know, for so many of you, this could be the real turning point point in your relationship, at at home or maybe with somebody that you've been struggling with for a long time. But if that's ever going to happen, there is something that you're going to have to learn to let go of. You know, to be unselfish, you've got to learn to let go of your fear. It's a scary thing to be unselfish. It's a scary thing to be unselfish in a marriage, to be unselfish in a relationship. The fear is, well, but, you know, if I'm unselfish, if I take the lead and I, you know, and I submit and I honor, then they might take advantage of me. If I'm unselfish, it's not just that I'm giving of myself. I might, I might lose myself. How do you find the strength then to get past that fear of being unselfish in a relationship. 1 John 4.18, I think, gives us a, 
a hint. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. So in order to overcome the fear of unselfishness in a relationship, all you got to do is find somebody who will love you perfectly. You're like, okay, Pastor Chris. Kind of rules out, you know, me and my relationships. Well, here's the good news. Somebody already has and does love you perfectly. His name is Jesus. And what I've found is that his perfect love for me builds up within me a foundation of strength and security in my life that then enables me to begin to love other people unselfishly. It takes away the fear. Because ultimately, I can look through and past that person and I see Jesus. And I'm doing it for them, for him. I want you to look at this prayer on your outline. I'm going to close with this. And I want this to be your prayer. Jesus, I pray that your life of unselfishness would be expressed in my relationship with blank. I want you to fill in that blank today. Could be your husband, your wife, a friend, a family member, a neighbor, a coworker. I pray that your life of unselfishness would be expressed in my relationship with this person. Thank you for your unselfish love for me. I accept your love for me, and I pray that you would help me to learn to live more like you every day in my relationships. Make that your prayer. God's way works. Listen, Jesus already has loved you perfectly. He's given his life for you. And he's just ready for you to love him back. He's waiting on you. It's still a choice that you you get to make. Either yes or no. Have you accepted his love for you yet? Have you submitted your life to him? Listen, if you will do that, he will love you like no other. He will forgive you of all your sin. And it will enable you and empower you to have a relationship with the Heavenly Father. And you can have all of that and so much more today. And maybe um, you're in a relationship right now that's um, not very good. Listen, when's the last time that... um, you tried God's way and just said, I'm going to look through this person, beyond this person, and I'm going to love Jesus in my marriage. 
in this relationship. Make that decision today. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing when both husband and wife are putting each other's needs ahead of their own and sacrificially and submissively loving each other. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today I do thank you for your word. It's always timely. It's always correct. It's always true. And, um, you know, God, we don't get to pick and choose what verses we like. You know, we, we can't just focus on, you know, love and forgiveness and kindness and not think about holiness and repentance and submission. And, Father, I just thank you that um, your way really does work. And that if we give our lives over to you, it, um, it makes sense. And um, especially in times like these, when things are hard and difficult and dark. Father, I pray that we would live, um, we would allow the light of your love to shine through us in every area of life, including this one. Father, today I pray for the marriages and families that are represented that here in this room, here online. Uh, Father, may we mutually submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. May we put each other's needs ahead of our own. And listen, if you're here today and you are ready to open up your heart and your life to the love of Christ and allow him to love you perfectly, just pray something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I, I do admit it. I have gone my own way. I've tried my own path. I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I admit it, God. But today I want to come home. I believe. I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he went to the cross as a payment for me and my sin. But I also believe he rose from the dead and he is alive. That he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And today I humbly ask him to be mine. And I just want to follow him now for the rest of my life, God. I want to become more and more like you see me now, forgiven, perfect, and brand new in your eyes because of Jesus and my faith in him. Thank you. I pray these things today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.